Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Michael P. Hamans. I'm here to talk to you all about law and society. Lots and lots of society. We have a guest here in the studio this morning, Jerry Waxler. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Mike. So this is a song that I wrote. It's the theme song for this show. This is Building a Zoo. We're on WCCF Radio 1580. And Building a Zoo came about after I read a book by David Quammen called uh, The Song of the Dodo. Biogeography in the Time of Extinctions. Island Biogeography in the Time of Extinctions. And this song came out. It's called Extinction Zoo. Remember the dodo? The passenger pigeon? Makes you think about the condors. Want to save them all from extinction. Like the Carolina parakeet. Calls us to the whooping crane Lord, I hope all this saving we've started It's not in vain Building a zoo Wild things are dying What should we do? We're building a zoo Save them now or say I do Build crossings for the panthers Reintroduce the wolf Make local grizzly bear parks And near shore waters manatee pools Put a fence around the wild lands To keep all the people out Grow smallpox in a petri dish And lock it up in a vault We're building a zoo Wild things are dying What should we do? We're building a zoo Save them now or say I do We're in a time of extinctions It's happened before Ask a saber-toothed tiger A woolly mammoth or a dinosaur And from the cosmic perspective Does it matter at all? Destined for our sun to burn out Season cycle to the fall is part of nature we are all part of God here we are now acting and being acted upon we know we ought to tread lightly dance in time to nature's funky beat still eradicate exotics in our guilt that we call weeds building a zoo are dying, what should we do? We're building a zoo, save them now or say I do. We think our wilderness must be managed. God's gardeners, we assume our role. Rank dispersion and displacement, it's unacceptable, it's out of control. 
how responsible are we for how we change what we do not control? I think the strength of our efforts sometimes is the weakness in our results. Building a zoo while things are dying, what should we do? We're building a zoo. Save them now or say I do. So remember the dodo, the passenger pigeon, and think about the condors. Wanna save them all from extinction. Like the Carolina parakeet, be called to the whooping crane. But pray, Lord, I hope all this saving we've started, it's not in vain. Building a zoo, are we building cages for them or me and you? Yeah. I get to think about those. No, there's not any good answers to all that. Just a lot of questions, but... Uh, you know, as an environmental and land use attorney uh, myself, I deal with those questions and finding that balance all the time. And people wonder how, you know, are you a black hat environmentalist or a white hat environmentalist? And really what it boils down to is you're trying to find balances and find uh, society's benefit through balance. And sometimes there's conflicting values that go on. And, you, and so our job is to help find balances, help society find the balance. You're a land use and environmental law attorney, and you found that in your life, I know, because we've had conversations. I know how you feel about the world. I, I found that in my life and in my job on multiple occasions. It's difficult to figure out what you want to do, what's going to be best for the community. And I'm not the arbiter of what's best for the community. So you choose your clients carefully. You research them before you take them on. Um, people don't realize how often a client will come to me with a project that I don't think is good for the community. And you work with them to change it so that it will be something that will benefit the community. Uh, but it's it's an ongoing struggle and an ongoing battle. So we'll... Well, we're going to touch mostly upon your uh, candidacy for the school board. Tell us what you're running for so we get this out there right now. I am running for Charlotte County School Board District 1, and I have been running now for about seven months. It feels like an eternity, but it's only been about seven months, eight months, um, and uh, the election is coming up on August 28th. Which seat was that? Is that Lee Swift, who is Lee. retiring yeah. after Boy, Lee 20... has been there forever. 20 or 24 years, yes. Uh -huh. He's, uh, I'm the president of the Charlotte Harbor Environmental Center and on the board of directors, and Lee is our longest-serving board member on that uh, board for check, and uh, and he serves because it's the school board uh, position, and so we're, I hope that he stays involved with check afterwards, but, uh, but we'll have another school board member who's on there, and maybe you'll get a chance to do that if you get elected. Maybe I will. So... Uh, we're, uh, we've been building a zoo here at uh, WCCF News Radio since February of 2010. Uh, we started streaming on the World Wide Web uh, a couple of years after that, uh, that kickoff, so since about 2012. And so we're listened to from sunny Florida to wild Montana, from uh, North Carolina to Alaska to, to Hawaii, as a matter of fact, my son Dylan is in Hawaii, and we're starting to put these shows on so that you can uh, uh, reach them in an archival. We haven't been doing that uh, up until recently, but uh, it's it's early. It's six hours earlier there, and so it's a little bit. But sometimes he's up and listens, and sometimes the kids are up because they're go off to school now, second grade and kindergarten. Hey, Birdie, it's Pappy. I love you, and I love that brother of yours, Hanker. He's a bazooka, that boy. Yeah, we're listened to in Montana. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a big uh, connection to Montana we have because Parks Reese and I met at East Carolina University in 1972, and uh, and we've stayed buddies and running around the world chasing the wild things 
for uh, for all this time. And so he's an artist of pretty great acclaim, and he's got a big friend group out there, and and uh, we hunt together there, and we deal with uh, each other's lives from the distance and up close. And uh, so Parks Reese, that's Parks, P-A-R-K-S-R-E-E-C-E, and he's an artist. He's a he has a, a show, a regular show in Shanghai. He's a art ambassador to the world. Uh, he's uh, well known uh, nationally and internationally. He does uh, finger paints, acrylic, and uh, and original lithographs. You know, lithographs are is, a, is an odd kind of art form. That's a, that uh, you make them original by breaking the plate, uh, but. The original lithographs are created using individually hand-drawn, ball-grained aluminum plates, which are destroyed after the uh, printing. And for each color, a separate plate is hand-drawn by the artist, sometimes uh, employing up to 25 plates. And those plates are then printed on uh, 100% cotton, rag paper, using top-quality ink, and resulting in limited-edition original works of art. You can see his stuff online. Go to parksreese.com or find him on Facebook. Uh, You'll take a look at the stuff and and you'll be amazed at the colors and the and the images that he provides. But he also marries each of these to uh, some phrases or words that uh, that make it a joke. He uses humor in order to communicate with people, and it's a it's a humor that's really has uh, been able to transcend uh, the language, which most humor doesn't do that very well. But in uh, in China, he's very well received. So Parks Reese. Take a look at his stuff uh, and buy some from him, and he'll be happy about that, and you'll be delighted. Uh, we're listening to in Wisconsin, Mississippi, Texas, uh, Jeffrey McElroy, my wife's son, Jeffrey, has been in China here all summer. We send him to China with parks in order to uh, be a cultural and language uh, uh, guide for him. And uh, he's in the Ph.D. program at the University of Texas in Austin in the uh, in the uh, Asian Studies and um, and so uh, he he's been here. He's actually hosted the show for me one time when I wasn't able to be here, and uh, he interviewed me one time when I I, came, I sat in that seat and let him be the host, <laughs> and I became a a guest. And the uh, and so very deeply involved in academia, and he has some opinions about what's right and wrong with the academy. And there's always been plenty that's wrong with the academy, but there's so much that's right about in the and the. The opportunity that you have, absent the having to feed yourself right then and there, the the survival to be able to have the luxury to think about things and find perspective outside of the need to survive right that minute. That's the luxury that that uh, that um, higher education can provide you, and then you get to apply that into the real world as you get uh, get going. But so we're listening to there in Texas and. Uh, He's going to be here next week. We're listening to in North Carolina still Carson Dellinger and her husband or her guy Sandusky Paris. They just had a baby. I said husband, you know, but one of these days, you know, kids these days they seem to get it turned around. Which order that they do that in? But uh, but uh, Loy Sandusky Paris was born last week. Uh, healthy, mom's healthy, and they're there in Asheville, North Carolina, and they. Uh, they're uh, hopefully listening, but whether they do or not, there's a group up there in Asheville that listens. Thanks for tuning in. Yet Carson is not only has her baby, Loy, but her dad, Loy, died a couple of years ago in a crash uh, and left a legacy of love and left us Carson. Uh, and Carson became the heiress for, it's uh, a big word for a product, for a Carolina Cajun. It's a it's not a hot sauce. It's a blend of love from the Piedmont, and it's good on most everything. It's so good on chicken that there's a guarantee. What's that? Chi- what's that guarantee, Larry? To get a better piece of chicken, you gotta be a rooster. That's right. So we ride the rooster on down through Polk County, Florida, to our local area. The local area we're served here on the AM radio from Arcadia to Boca Grande, from Venice to Estero. Uh, uh, Babcock Ranch community, Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, all those points in between. Uh, Thanks for being here. Let's listen to uh, Don of the Buffalo. This is Conscious Evolution. We'll be back with Jerry Waxler in just a minute.
Ginger. Wounded in the battle line out in the weeds. Immersed in contemplation of history's evil deeds. He offered up the free will, free will flatly replied. Conscious evolution's all there is on your side. Conscious evolution in front of your eyes. Conscious evolution in the back of your mind. Conscious evolution gonna spread the word. We're all busy learning on a learning curve. Conscious evolution is what turns me on. There's gotta be a difference between right and wrong. Conscious evolution gonna spread the word. With a vision bold as love, won't you help me sing? Conscious evolution in front of your eyes. Conscious evolution in the back of your mind. Conscious evolution gonna spread the word. We're all busy learning on a learning curve. you help me sing conscious evolution in front of your eyes conscious evolution in the back of your mind conscious evolution gonna spread the word we're all busy learning on a learning curve Hey, that's Don of the Buffalo. They're gonna, they were here this past spring. Sounds like they're going to try to bring them back in a couple of years here for, uh, for an event. Uh, political, spiritual, rock and roll, uh, folk music, kind of Americana. Uh, thanks to my sponsors. I couldn't do this show without people like Gene Gorman Auto Sales. You know Gene Gorman Auto Sales. You've seen the billboards. I'd give them away, but my wife won't let me. I'd fix them for free, but my wife won't let me. Well, it's a it's a family-owned and operated business. 22 straight years as Charlotte County's number one volume independent used car dealer. 
They have three locations that serve everyone. Gene Gorman Family Motors in Charlotte Harbor, Gene Gorman Premier Auto Sales downtown across from the Punta Gorda Police Department, and Gene's Dirt Cheap Cars south of Aquiesta. That's a Kia stuff if you speak a little bit of Spanish. But we just like we say Punta Gorda, we say Aquiesta. I knew the man who named the road, and he called it Aquiesta. So the... Uh, the, all of the vehicles go through a very uh, through a, a certification process and come with a nationwide warranty. Owen, uh, Gene's son, is the general manager and vice president of the corporation. Gene recently finished a memoir. I say recently. It's been a couple of years now. But he's got a memoir uh, that uh, talks about his life from the jungles of Vietnam to psychiatric hospitals to the boardrooms of corporate America to the establishment of Gene Gorman Auto Sales here in, uh, in our community. Uh, and... And celebrating 22 straight years of uh, being Charlotte County's number one independent used car dealer. They are giving away free old change for a year and a copy of Gene's memoir. You had to be there to anyone that buys a car or sells a car to Gene Gorman Auto Sales. And the book, I've got the book here. You had to be there. It's a memoir of a miraculous life. And Gene really addresses uh, uh, he's, the language that he uses is, is uh, upfront, very accessible. And he tells a straight, clean story. Uh, and so in a, in a chapter called Business is Booming Again and uh, Recovering from Hurricane Charlie, uh, he was talking about that uh, there were some obstacles he had to overcome to rebuild the Gene Gorman auto sales. And it looked like it might be in trailers for quite some time. And the county had put new code and zoning requirements in place for any buildings destroyed by the hurricane. So it would be impossible to be, rebuild what we originally had as we originally had things set up. So foreseeing a long delay, I decided to look for another spot in Punta Gorda. There was a dealer down the road from us who had somehow escaped being totally destroyed, and after he'd remodeled his place, I noticed that his inventory was shrinking, usually a sign that the dealer's getting ready to close. I stopped by and said, if you ever run across anyone who has a place like yours that might be interested in getting out of the business, be sure to let me know. Well, within two weeks, he called, and two weeks after that, we moved our Gene Gorman Auto Sales location into his totally refurbished, like-new car lot. We had trailers moved out. We now had two dealerships and two vacant lots. Within another year, the county softened its stance on codes a bit, and we were able to build a brand-new building on our original site. All we had to do then was decide what we were going to do with it, and we decided to create another low-price car lot since the demand was growing, and after debating with Diane and Owen on what to call it, I decided just to flaunt the fact that these were going to be inexpensive cars. I chose Gene Gorman's Dirt Cheap Cars. Since our slogan has always been, I'd give them away, but my wife won't let me, coupled with my picture on every sign, I offered Owen the chance to put his name and picture on the Dirt Cheap uh, location signs. I'll never forget his comment. So you want me to put my picture on the Dirt Cheap location? I'm out. We laughed, and I agreed to put my mug on that sign as well. And our reputation in the community was our strongest act attribute, so we figured we should take advantage of it with all of our locations. Yeah, Gene Gorman, thanks for supporting me, Gene and Owen. Owen and Amy are my next-door neighbors. They're fine folks. So let me tell you, you can't have better neighbors than that. Uh, also, Boca Grande Marina is a sponsor. Boca Grande Marina out there in beautiful Boca Grande, I understand that the red tide's uh, uh, lessening up out there, but it's been really bad for, uh, for a couple of weeks. And, uh, but on the bay side there uh, is, uh, is an old marina. It was Miller's Marina, a historic marina, and it's been, uh, since 2003, it's been Boca Grande Marina, and it's refurbished. It took us a long time to get some permits, but we got some permits and rebuilt the marina and uh, dredged the basin and the channel in order to make it easier for people to get in. So to get there, you go in that south entrance of the Boca Bayou and then turn south into the yacht basin. You see the marina there uh, refurbished. It's got a dock master's office now that commands the basin so you can tie up safely. The fuel docks open from 8 in the morning until 5 in the evening every day. That's seven days a week. And when the when they're open, so is the ship store where you can get bait and tackle, ice, you know, sundries, those kinds of things. The, uh, from about 11.30 on, if you're there, you see uh, Miller's Dockside. Miller's Dockside has got full bar, cold beer, great menu, friendly service, and a lovely setting. You can sit there overlooking the marina and Gasparilla Sound. Uh, if you're there and you want to take a tool around the island, you can rent a golf cart from the uh, ship store and tool around and then 
come on back uh, during the season. Eagles Grill is uh, is open upstairs. It's not open during the summer, and so whether you get there by seaplane, by boat, by car, bicycle, golf cart, or walk, treat yourself. They'll be glad to see you, and uh, you'll be happy to be there. So let's talk with Jerry. Jerry Waxler, uh, who are you? Where are you from? Why are you here? I grew up, started out in the Northeast, the New York, New Jersey area. When I was 12, my family moved to Atlanta, where my both so, my brothers so you're, still are. you're born up in New England. Uh, not New England, not, the, but the Northeast. The Northeast. The Northeast. Actually born in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, mm-hmm, Pennsylvania. But I moved before I was a year old, so okay, I don't remember that Okay, you don't remember all. that. You didn't no. meet the Babcocks who were from Pittsburgh. You know that, that one of the Babcocks was a mayor of Pittsburgh in the 1930s. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a connection with Pittsburgh there. Punta Gorda does. The, uh, so... Are you you have siblings? I have two two younger brothers. I'm the oldest of three. Okay, and both how, my how many are years? Still in Atlanta. Five years older than the next brother, and seven years older than the baby in the mm-hmm. family. So you got to do a whole lot of babysitting. I coming. got to do a whole lot of babysitting, <laughs> and I don't quite remember it the same way as my brothers do. Evidently, I was not the kindest babysitter. When I was I, I'm care I'm of the them. eldest also, and so your parents leave you in charge. You, you know, so they're not your rules, but you're you're in trouble if you don't enforce them. And so the next one hates you for enforcing them, and it takes it off out on the younger on the one. one. And then so then you're protecting the youngest one from the and the middle one gets uh, gets attitudes over the, that. I mean, this is typical. <laughs> this is how this works. But uh, so uh, so born in Pittsburgh, lived in New Jersey and in that part of the world, uh, and then in Atlanta from when? Moved to Atlanta when I was 12, uh, really to a small town called Roswell, which at the time was a <coughs> small rural That's just north. Suburb. Yeah. It's just north. Today yeah. it's, it's a, a very... I think that the last stop on the, I think the last stop on the, uh, on the metro is there, or whatever they call it. Yes. Pos- it, there, there was it no metro when I moved yeah. there. It, it, and there was no is. metro, I've, and, and there was 400, basically went just a little little bit past there. Um, There's a really good music scene there. There's uh, a great music Roswell. scene in Roswell uh, they, now. A uh, lot of uh, singer-songwriters, and they bring people in from Nashville and have a uh, pretty regular thing. So you went to school there. You go to private school, public no, school? No, I went to public school. I went to public school. I moved all, there. All your life? All, the, all my life. Yep. All my life. So I, in at the time that I moved to Roswell, their elementary school went up through seventh grade, and then you went into high school in eighth grade. They had no junior high or middle school. I moved there at the very end of seventh grade uh, for about the last month my mom and dad put me in into classes so that I could mm-hmm. meet some people in this new community that we'd moved to before summer began I think they probably just didn't want me to be hanging around complaining that I had nothing to do all summer uh, and then in the fall I started in eighth grade in at Roswell High School mm-hmm. and graduated from Roswell High School the uh, so high in a and down here we had we still had the elementary junior high and then high school system but our junior high was associated with the high school we were on the same campus and so it was uh Charlotte junior senior high at the time that I went through so I matriculated from Sally Jones Elementary and then to uh, Punta Gorda to the Charlotte uh, Junior High School and then into Charlotte High School. I can tell you it's not really a good idea to have 8th grade girls in the same school with 12th grade boys uh i think that that's what uh that what some of the reasons that they busted it up a little bit differently uh, at times yeah there's well you know gals have always dated up and guys are unless they're the bad boys or or uh, some something special they end up dating down i mean that's just the way of the world that's true that's true but that's a big difference in maturity even even if you say that girls mature faster than boys, an eighth grade girl and a senior boy, there's just too big of a difference there. Just I don't think yeah. it was the junior high and middle split. school. That's like battlegrounds uh, where the the teachers are battling all these raging hormones that uh, that uh, are in their class, and uh, and so I've always I've always thought that middle school junior high teachers ought to have. Uh, Battle pay, actually, <laughs> combat, combat pay. Combat pay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, so, what did you do in high school? What was your activities? What did what? 
what made you happy and what kind of friend groups did you have? I, I My friend groups crossed all lines. From 8th grade through 12th grade, I was a cheerleader, so that was the quote-unquote popular crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was also a member of the debate team, which was the nerdy crowd. And on the high school yearbook, I I had friends in in all groups, and that's how I liked it then, and that's how I like it now. Yeah. uh, We had groups, you know, we got integrated while I was uh, went from elementary school that had no, no integration, to junior high, that was the first time that we were integrated. That would have been in 66, 67. They'd integrated in 64, but that was the first time I was in school with uh, uh, with uh, black kids, although we'd played Pop Warner football together. that There were there were places, people like the Desgans, like Vic Desgan uh, was a really important person. Uh, person to reach out across the different communities and make places for people to be real with one another. Uh, and I've always appreciated that. And I just thought that that was the natural way things should happen. Uh, we've got a caller. Let's take a caller. Caller. You're on the air. Hello. We lost you. Sorry about that. Good try. So, uh, Let's try it again. It is a call-in show. The call-in number is 206-1580. Caller, you're on the air. Hello, yes. I wanted to uh, see if I could get a question with Jerry. Yes, sir, please. 1580. Yes, sir. Uh, what it is is... Uh, you need to turn your radio to down. If, if Jerry's a gambling woman, and the only reason I ask that is with the, the failure rate that most... I'm sorry. I'm going to move. You need to turn your radio down, yes, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm walking away from it. I apologize. The reason I ask if she's a gambling woman is she made a comment that Mosaic has stepped up their uh, their, their regulations, and, and, and here we are. We're going to trust her with our children, and uh, I just feel as someone who represents something like Mosaic and that could possibly harm Charlotte County, DeSoto County citizens, I don't think there's a person in Charlotte County that wants this unless they're going to benefit money-wise. And here, this she's the one that's representing to fight for this. So I just find it hard to believe that she's going to be a good fit for our kids. Or what kind of gambles is she going to take with our, our children? So uh, I, I'll let her uh, answer it, but we're going to do this uh, short. And I appreciate you calling. Uh, this isn't a. Uh, this is not going to be. This show is not going to be a plebiscite or some uh, debate about mosaic. Although I understand your perspective. On it, and so we'll address it. But uh, but let's remember that she's a guest, and that we want uh, civ- civil. For I'm not saying that to you. You're being very civil. I just mean for other callers. So Jerry, when Mosaic approached me to represent them, I did not say yes right away. I demanded and received a tour of a, an active mine. I wanted to see what mining looked like on the ground. I demanded and received a tour of their reclamation area, and before I went on that tour, I met with a local biologist and had a list of questions that I wanted to ask them. I also did some independent research. I looked at the area-wide impact study, which looked at the cumulative impacts of mining on Peace River. This is this is the impact study that Charlotte County, through litigation, forced them to to do an uh, impact study. Is it that was, right? Yes, they were forced to do it, but it was done. It was it was actually done not by Mosaic, but but done by an independent uh, engineering firm, I believe it was. The conclusion of that study was that there would not be an impact on water quality. The other thing, and what the the caller was talking about in terms of regulations, I looked at, look, there has been an awful history for phosphate mining. There have been terrible spills. I'm aware of the 1971 spill. Um, But regulations have changed. They've changed in all areas that that have potential environmental impacts. And the regulations that the DeSoto mine would be built under were put into place in 1995. And since those regulations were put into place, any mining facility, particularly the clay settling ponds, which is what people talk about when they talk about spills, that have been built to those 1995 regulations, there has not been a spill from one of those ponds since. There are still ongoing spills from some of the older facilities. And the other thing that I made sure was not going to happen to DeSoto County was that there would not be a fertilizer plant and there would be no gyp stacks that were being placed in DeSoto County. So when I had that information and had done my research, that's when I accepted them as a client. I'm a land use attorney. That is my job. um, And I represented them in the hearings in DeSoto County. Okay, thanks. So 
Uh, and thank you, caller. And the uh, so let's get back to your high school days and and what you did. And then you went on when you graduated from high school from Roswell High School, public school in Georgia. You went to how did you choose the college that you were going to, and why did you go to college instead of go to work someplace? I've always liked, I I would be in college perpetually. I would still be in college taking classes now if it was possible to do that. And that's something that I hope to go back and do when I'm not working full time and hopefully sitting on the school board. Um, So it was never a question that I would go on to continue to learn. But when I was looking for a college to attend, I, having moved from the Northeast, the Mason-Dixon line was was my boundary. I really liked the South and I wanted to stay in the South, so I only looked at schools in the South. I looked at Vanderbilt, I looked at Rice in, in Texas, um, I looked at University of Virginia, and I looked at Duke University. And, and if you've never been to Duke, the minute you set foot on that campus, it pretty much er- erases every other campus in your mind. It's just the most beautiful campus I've ever seen. I applied to Duke early decision, was accepted, and, and ended up going to school in North Carolina at Duke University. Only time I've been there, uh, I went to a Frank Zappa concert at Duke University. <laughs> Duke brings in a wide variety of musical acts. While I was there, the Grateful Dead played on campus. Yeah. And the, the contrast between the, at the time, pretty preppy Duke students and the deadheads who just used our commons rooms to, to crash was, was pretty interesting. I bet it was. So, uh, and so you end up uh, at Duke. And where did you go to law school? I went to law school at Stetson. When I graduated from Duke, I actually went on and got an MBA. While I was at Duke, I, I think I was telling you, I, I started out as a, a radio DJ yeah. on their campus radio station and then moved over to their local cable television station. By the time I was a senior, I actually was the program director for the station and really liked you know, setting the programs, negotiating for the content, and went on to get an MBA thinking I would go into some sort of communications management, television management, something along those lines. I went to the University of Miami. Um, but while I was still in high school, I attended a camp in North Georgia, and while I was there, I met a guy named Joe Waxler when I was 16 years old going into my senior year of high school, and we stayed in touch throughout my senior year of high school and throughout my four years at, at Duke and got engaged before my senior year at Duke. So it was pretty much a given that I was moving after I finished my MBA. I was moving uh, from Miami, where I got the MBA, to Charlotte County. There wasn't a whole lot to do with an MBA in Charlotte County in 1984. I'd argue that there's really still not a whole lot to do with an MBA in Charlotte County now in 2018. Uh, so I had to kind of rethink. I was fortunate enough to get a to be hired as a management consultant by a California-based consulting firm working a program with the local hospitals as well as Kissimmee Hospital, Fawcett Hospital, Englewood Hospital, Kissimmee Hospital. Fawcett Hospital hired me on after that uh, stint with the consulting firm ended. But I hated everything about hospital management and looked for something else that would better match my interests and ended up going back to Stetson to get my law degree. And I have been practicing law uh, now, ever since. Did, were you living in uh, in Charlotte County and, and commuting to Stetson or did you I move commuted, back up I, there? No, I commuted on – well, I would I would go up early Monday because I was Because that's in St. Petersburg. It's in St. Petersburg, about an hour and 20 minutes door to door. I would get up early Monday morning and drive to, to get to my Monday classes. I'd come back Tuesday night, go back Wednesday morning, and then come back either Thursday night or Friday night, depending on when my last classes were, and be home for the weekend. So mm-hmm. I went back and forth. But I did have an apartment up in St. Petersburg. We, we've got another caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hello. Hey. Uh, is this, uh, I have a question for Gary. Okay. Question. Yes, go ahead. Hello. Hi. Oh, okay, you're I, here. I was on there. I can't hear. You're, um, you're on, yeah. So, okay. Charlotte County is going to be, is this uh, mosaic and the phosphate mine is not going away anytime soon. They're going to keep trying and work. You know, people are going to fight it, and, uh, and rightfully so. But it's going to be a huge deal, and it's going to be an ongoing thing. So my question is, if she's running for school board, are you going to have time to pay attention to our kids at school and still represent them, or are you going to quit them and just do the school board? Or what's exactly the plans? Do you plan on doing all of it? I mean, I just don't see the time, uh, you know, uh, to do both. But uh, that's my question. Thanks. 
I've, I've been doing all of it for the whole 27 years that I've been practicing law because I, I've been practicing law full time. At the same time, I was raising two sons and I was also serving uh, for, for well over 20 years on a whole variety of community organizations on the boards of community organizations and volunteering my time. My kids are now grown, so I have that block of time that I didn't have before. And I, I don't see any difficulty with balancing uh, the, the various aspects of my life. It's never been an issue for me and I don't think it will be an issue when, once I'm on the school board either. You know, if you want something done, ask a busy person, right? That's what I say. So the uh, the, uh, the 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 questions, those questions, uh, the school board is what kind of a of an uh, they meet regularly, they set policy. It's, it's not a day-to-day operation kind of No, the school deal. board is not a day-to-day. Our day-to-day operations are run by the superintendent, Steve Dionisio. He is the, who oversees the day-to-day operations. The school board's job, according to statute and, and as they operate, is to set the vision, the overall vision for the school district, to set the policy for the school district. They hire a superintendent and should set measurable goals for that superintendent to meet, um, and they establish and adopt the budget for the school district. That's the, the role of the, the school board. How, what kind of uh, control does the state have about uh, about what the school does and where it spends its money and that kind of thing? Too much control would be my answer to that. Most people don't realize that the state is who establishes the millage rate that the school district can set. It's not the school board that does that. The state does it through a very complicated formula, theoretically uh, designed to make certain that all communities throughout the state get the same amount of money. Richer communities should not have more money than poorer communities. So they set the millage rate. Uh, But beyond that, when they give you the money, only a portion of it is allowed to be spent, goes into the general fund that can be spent in any way that the school board sees fit. There are what are called categoricals. So they give you money and tell you that of this amount of money that we're, that we're giving you, you must spend this much money on capital improvements. You must spend this much money on your ESE programs. You must spend this much money on transportation. So the school district, the local school district, not just Charlotte's, but all local school districts in the state, really have very limited local control. That's one of the things that I would hope to see changed if I'm on the school board. I'm a graduate of Leadership Florida, so I already have a statewide group of individuals very active in their communities, very engaged in issues, particularly issues of education. While I wouldn't use Leadership Florida because that's not its mission, I would use my contacts through Leadership Florida to see if we could initiate a grassroots campaign to start to put some pressure statewide on our legislators to give control back to the local school districts. We know what our community needs. It's not a one-size-fits-all uh, that should be decided out of Tallahassee, and I'd like to see some of that power restored to the local governments. How about how about the security issues that, uh, that uh, have come to the forefront because of the horribles that we know have happened at schools uh, over the years? But uh, how much control does the school board have in setting the policy uh, for security kinds of issues. Let, let me give a, just an, an editorial comment a little bit, and that is I have watched over the years, because I'm a graduate of uh, this uh, Charlotte High School and part of this uh, local school system, and I've seen over the years the the facilities and the control that is exercised on the campus uh, increase continuously until I mean, when you go to a school these days, it's like you're going to a prison just about, and uh, and and there's cameras every place, and it's it's the cynic in me says, "Gosh, we're tr- we're training these kids to to be in prison." I mean, it it actually it looks and feels that way, and and, and how much uh, influence, how much policy is the local school board have on how those kinds of things are done? The, the security measures you see in Charlotte County schools are a sad but necessary element in today's society. School security is one of the areas where the school board does have control. And Charlotte County school districts, Charlotte County School District, was just named the safest school district in Florida by niche.com. And that's because the district has been very proactive in security. They didn't wait till Parkland to say we have to address that. We have had school resource officers in our high schools for a number of years. Um, we have single. I, I, I have, I have, I have an insight on that. When the race riots happened in the ni- in 1968, 
because we had integration wasn't as seamless as we might remember or want to try to remember. And we had really race riots going on in Charlotte High School, and the school resource officers came in then and never left. So I was there as that happened. We also have single point entry at all of our schools, which is also very important. So you have to come in, you have to show ID, you have to uh, be buzzed beyond that initial entrance point. All of that is for the safety of our students. And that was all in place before this came, this issue came to the forefront. With the Parkland shootings and the additional funding that the legislature did provide specifically for security measures, we will be able to have a school resource officer in every school, two in each of our high schools and in our largest middle school. Um, That's a good thing. We chose as a district not to accept the portion of the funding that was earmarked specifically for arming a separate security force, either arming teachers who went through a period of training or arming individuals from the community. And that is also a decision I support. Having talked extensively with several of the school resource officers, they're trained far more than the hours that would have been required of of the supplemental security force. They know when to use force, when not to use force. Um, They talked about the, the very real risk of someone who perhaps would have been confronted with an armed intruder, a moment's hesitation, if that person was a student that an armed teacher knew or thought they recognized and hesitated for even a moment, the tables could flip and you would have a teacher, another teacher dead rather than the intruder dead. They were very adamant that they didn't want to see um, anyone other than the resource officers armed, and I stand with them on that position. The the biggest part of my tax bill when I pay it uh, every year uh, seems to be the school and and yet we're uh, we're continuously uh, confronted with the fact that schools are underfunded, that there's not adequate uh, facilities, they're not adequate uh, products, that teachers are having to come out of their pockets to uh, to pay for things that that uh, it's pay as you go, pay to play in the sports and other kinds of things. That uh, how how do we address the uh, those the the finiteness of the resources that we have to apply, and where do we make cuts and where do we i mean out of athletics music academics for toward college and vocational where is the proper emphasis and balance and all of that you're right the funding in charlotte county and well funding across the state has decreased this year's funding for schools is just now getting up back to the 2010 levels uh so we don't have enough funding in our schools to meet the wide variety of mandates of things that we must teach our children and the additional coursework that we must uh, provide and the rules that we have to adhere to. And we're not likely to be getting additional funding from the legislature. So we have to find a way to do more with less. I think before you get to the question of where you make cuts, you look at the way that you are delivering services. Um, I have been a champion of a uh, a district-wide efficiency study that will look at all aspects of the district, food service, transportation, staffing at the administration levels, uh, the way we deliver, uh, the way we do payroll. Look at everything comprehensively by bringing in an independent firm who will bring in experts in each of the areas that are being looked at. Similar study was done in Sarasota County in 2012. Last numbers I saw were from 2016. They'd saved about $40 million by implementing the the those changes. I'd like to do that here in Charlotte County, see what we can save so that we don't have to look at cuts right away. So we're, we have about five minutes. Uh, I've got a poem here from, uh, it's an interactive poem from Irene Butler. And this is, uh, this is about how to use the words hell no and hell yes uh, in everyday conversation. So while not exclusively indigenous to the South, Southerners do have to be given credit for mastering the use of the words hell no and hell yes, making them into eloquent little phrases which can be understood by Northerners as well as other non-English speaking people. Some say this all originated out of pure laziness, but whatever the reason, it's been perfected to the extent that when uh, the proper enunciation is placed on these phrases. They completely eliminate the need for lengthy explanations, thus allowing the speaker to make their sentiments known with amazing simplicity. Tonal quality, word emphasis, ability to make five syllables out of two, whether to spit before or after, along with some other minor factors, all contribute to the proper usage and delivery. So this is uh, 
in order to, for the grammatically elite to be recognize, to recognize the beauty in being able to correctly use these easy little phrases, can we imagine for a moment, gentlemen, your real name is Bubba, you're totally uncoordinated outside of a pickup truck, you have 2.5 Labrador retrievers, and you sometimes whisper sweet nothings to your shotgun. Ladies, your real name is Itty Bitty, but you have six brothers and sisters, all with the middle name Ray Ray, and your favorite food is Pepsi. You're often seen with Bubba, but also are occasionally seen with traveling used car salesmen. Now here's where y'all, I'll need your help, and you can practice your hell no's and hell yeses. Are you ready? This is participatory. Not, not sure a school board member ought to be using hell no and hell yes on a regular basis, but I'm game for today. Okay. So you're playing horseshoes on a steamy hot day, and someone you know, uh, wants to know if you'd like an icy cold beer. Hell yes. Larry, you can play this too. So uh, you're out to dinner and the waiter apologizes for the inconvenience, but they're plum out of possum pie. Could he substitute prime rib at the same price? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you're hanging out on a Friday night and a stranger wearing a leather vest and not wearing a shirt asks you out for sushi. Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) A right nice looking member of the opposite sex starts flirting with you and asks if you like ZZ Top and skinny dipping. Hell yeah. 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 (laughs) You're out on the lake bassing in a boat with a whole family, including three screaming kids with dried mustard and bologna sandwiches on their faces, pulls up in your favorite spot and wants to know if you're having any luck. Hell Hell no. no. Your mama says she hopes you won't be too lonely in the house all by yourself, but would you carry her to the Greyhound bus station so she can go visit her sister for a week? Hell Hell yes! yes. (laughs) You're stopped by the highway patrol, and the officer asks you if you know that both your taillights are out and the right rear tire is bald and your sticker has expired. Hell Hell no. no. (laughs) (laughs) A little old lady driving a Cadillac with the left turn signal on and a Pat Robertson for President Bumper Sticker is riding down the middle of the road in front of you going five miles an hour. When you try to pass, she rolls down the window and wants to know if you're in a hurry. Hell Hell yes! yes. (laughs) Finally, it's 2.16 a.m. and you're heading home on a deserted road after an evening of some very serious parting when all of a sudden you just know you gotta go, would you? (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) That's easy. Not, not as hey, easy for girls. <laughs> so when's this election? When do, when do people get to vote? Well, absentee ballots are already have been put in the mail. So if you are registered for an absentee ballot, you should have one now. And uh, early voting starts next week. And the election itself is August 28th. I hope that you will vote Jerry Waxler for Charlotte County School Board. And so this will be the end. I mean, this is or is there? Uh... It's it is a nonpartisan race. If one candidate gets 50 percent plus one vote, it's over. Otherwise, the top two will move on to November. OK, so. Following up with the hell yes and hell no, it's August 28th, it's getting late in the afternoon, you haven't been to the polls yet, and it's starting to rain, do you get in your car and go to the polls? Hell Hell yes! yes. That's right. So, thanks for listening, thanks for being here, Jerry, you've been a wonderful guest. Thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks for listening, uh, folks. Uh, Thanks for running the board, Larry. Uh, We'll see you on the radio next week, and we're out of here on the drums. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.